Stupid Hearts Club is yours to enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. But if you've fallen deeply in love with the show, or me, even though that's a bit weird because we've never met, then you might want to consider supporting the show via patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club for about five or a month you can indulge in your sick little fantasy that i am your very own little audio husband friend without ever having to deal with the fact that in real life i leave socks and half drunk glasses of water everywhere either way i'm very happy you're here so please enjoy the show Club with me, Nico Tatarovich, and this week's guest, Denise Devonish. She's a counsellor. Oh. Uh, welcome to uh, Stupid Hearts Club. I, I hope I'm, I'm getting the name right. Denise Devonish. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, that's perfect. Lovely. Yeah, that's that's my yeah and denise i uh i think i saw you on instagram uh in a in yeah. a and i think the link is probably that i did a podcast a few weeks ago have a listener have a a, a patron and listener called uh cat georgiou katrina georgiou who is mm. a therapist and she also does a podcast called sound effects yes right uh which is for my listeners uh a, a podcast that is about the world of mental health, but specifically aimed at people from the music industry. Mm. And and then your, I think your um, account came up, and I sort of just saw that you you were fishing in a similar territory. So I, I don't I don't exactly know what you do. So could you tell us yeah. a little bit about what what your actual, you know, your your special specialisms are? So I am a humanistic therapist, which which I think is important to talk about as well. Probably not right now, right? But um, j- just because the way that I trained and the way that I work is really important. It's it's kind of less Freudian and more uh, Rogerian. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but uh, which, which was important for me when I trained as a therapist, and I I work exclusively with musicians. So. I guess because of that reason, I'm a specialist. I don't have any sort of special tools um, that apply specifically to working with musicians, but but th- these are the people that I work with um, right. exclusively. I only work with musicians and those that work in the music industry because uh, of my upbringing. And my upbringing led me to, to, to seeing uh, that there was a great need for... Um, um, support and 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 also I think uh, I I realise that lots of people working in the industry almost don't feel like they can ask for support because it's not cool or um, yeah. you're supposed to be grateful because you you know you're doing music and not some dull job right absolutely yeah um, so to be very honest you know growing up I saw 
well, I was a kid, so I wasn't aware, but I felt, um, uh, you know, that lots of people around me were amazing and um, creative and hilarious and incredibly talented and full of life. And a few of those people disappeared. Um, And, you know, well, as I got older, I was definitely asking why, you know. Mm. Um, And when I did my training, um, I think a lot of that came up again. And, you know, childhood. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But so when when you say like about when when people were disappearing, as you put it, do Mm. do you mean when you're young, so like through a child's eyes, you're thinking like, where's that? cool person gone that we used to see a lot yeah 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 that right. and and a couple of people actually literally did disappear to they passed away mm-hmm. um but i did mean initially just the kind of greatness that i was referring to or the kind of magic or the spark it'd be very up and down uh, right in and out um you know i think there was always loads of parties in my house <laughs> yeah um you know that was the way i was raised and it it was it had its it was great and also problematic I guess. Of course, yeah. Um, but I mean, literally, you know, I was seeing people now. I, I, it's hard to for me to reflect on what I was seeing as a child, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you know, substance misuse is a massive is a massive issue. Uh, probably more so back then. It's not so cool now to be out of your face. It's better to look really hot and. Yeah. You know, look good for Instagram and whatever. Yeah, the um, young the young people have definitely got a different relationship with being out of your box. Yes, that, that's it. Which I never saw coming. <laughs> I just thought that's just <laughs> to me. It was like this is what you do, right? And yeah. then when actually now getting a bit older and seeing a few other generations coming through, and then being aware of history before that, you're like, oh no, no, no! Teenagers literally started in the sixties. You know, like yeah. in terms of that, or maybe the fifties. You know, like rockers and bikers and all that sort of thing. And yeah. you know, that kind of like being like. I guess it starts with the image of like James Dean, doesn't it? You know, the the rebel yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, causing trouble and uh, angst and all that stuff. And it's like, where was that going before? Mm. What you know, because obviously you've got, you, it's easy to say, well, before that you had like the war, but that even that's that's only six years. What were what were young people? How were young people channeling their not knowing who they are yet, like forever, all the way back? You know, it's like it's a strange thing to think that we we uh, that yeah. I certainly grew up thinking that the cultural norm is that you go bananas and you're irresponsible, Mm. and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's part of being a teenager. Anyway, I think you know your hormones are going nuts, and um, you know you you suddenly very very attracted to to other beings and you know mm. you want to you want to rebel and go a bit crazy and all that stuff that I was saying as a child you can't name you want to name it you want to scream about it you want to be angry about it you want to express it mm. and I think I think now we're in a really weird time with social media and you know looking I don't know it, it mm. it's kind of weird how young musicians are expressing all of that, you know, um, in the way they're marketing themselves um, yeah. and in their music, in the content of what they're writing about. Um, but, but anyway, that's a different, a, a different point. But um, there, there was a lot, you know, in the, 
kind of late 80s, early 90s, 2000s even of, you know, lots of drug taking and yeah. it, it was pretty normal for musicians and, you know, I was around loads of cool musicians um, and they they were, they loved partying generally and I think oh, yeah. that was probably a massive part of it, um, uh, you know, uh, but also just the managing of being being uh you know sensitive and tuned in and um creative and the nature of the business you see which is what i'm quite keen to explore and unpack just in the work that i do when i speak about this i think there's parts about the music business um and just the way the machine works that kind of exploits all this stuff we're talking about in a way that can be really dangerous yeah um, yeah i mean you know i don't see so many uh well not to be fair i don't like buy nme and st i don't know it sort of doesn't exist in the same way anymore anyway but no. uh the kind of like so i remember like buying nme and stuff like that and so when in my era basically teenage era was like the first big rogue band that was like our generation was the happy mondays yeah and i actually lived in manchester and um so you might even hear, oh, there's like massive party going on on Friday and it's like the Happy Mondays and all that lot and some of the kind of dance music of the time and all that. So you knew there was this kind of like gaggle of people mm. with and without a doubt, everyone was absolutely off their box and it might even be like a two or three day party. Mm. And so by the time Happy Mondays played what was then called GMEX, which was like a 10,000 person indoor gig in a sort of uh, converted train station sort of warehousey space in town that was mm. that was like the peak of of the acid house thing in as much as manchester kids having a thing where that that was the that became like the fulcrum of that moment so mm. that like if you watch a video of that gig it's amazing for two reasons one sean ryder's got to have the lyrics in front of him <laughs> obviously bez bez is like just like his <laughs> eyes are back in his head but at that point, that's already like, you are our hero. You you two people literally don't know where you are. And and the crowd are there to also not know where they are. Yeah. And everyone was absolutely off their box. Now, I didn't go to that. I was like a kid living mm. in a, a pub in Chilton and collecting glasses and emptying ashtrays for for a small wage. But um, But it was like, it's happening in our city. And the it that was happening was... Almost it's like the music was obviously a huge part of it, but the drug culture and the, the sort of hedonism around it was, it's like 50-50. Mm. Yeah, 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 totally. And, um, and you know, um, I, this is the thing that it's, it's not cool to say that, that that's kind of, that's, that there's a problem with that. Well, no. <laughs> Because there's only so much that somebody can take, and there's a thing really amongst lads as well, like how how hard you, how hard are you, and how how yeah. much can you handle? And, oh yeah. You know, I was up for two or three days. Oh wow, you know, mm. um, you know, um, and 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 I remember thinking guys were cool as well, you know, that that they they could do that, and I was definitely in the rave and yeah, whatever, yeah. loving that culture too, mm -hmm. more of drum and bass and jungle in, in right. London, but. Yeah. You know, it's it's something that as I've gotten older and I've lost people or, you know, seen mm. people have complete breakdowns, 
mm. um, because it's not sustainable. Um, and it being like, well, how do I carry, what happens to my identity as a musician or as a raver, a lover of music without it? You know, because it's so married, because it's so 50-50. Yeah. Um, in, in not so much now. This is in, it's really important to yeah, yeah, highlight that. But, but the way I grew up and what led me to doing what I do, um, I do think kind of substance use, misuse was, was a massive part of it and, and where I initially thought my work would be mostly working with musicians, which is why, I, you know, I studied, I worked in a substance misuse centre for a while. It's really hardcore, actually. Right. And um, anyway, and then, and then I only started working exclusively with musicians five years ago and was very busy very quickly. And then I started working with uh, two charities that do amazing work to help musicians, uh, help Musicians UK. And... Um, UK BAPAM and I've gone in and done some work at majors and, and independence. I'm married to a music manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, music's all around me. My dad still, uh, my dad is a, is a producer and um, cool. yeah, and uh, he's still working. I think yeah. also that's another thing when you get older, you know, it, it is not as relevant <laughs> and it's harder to keep gigging. He's just knackered touring and stuff, but he's still doing it. Um, I tell you what, though, like, you know, not not assuming any specific age for your dad, but to live yeah. through, if he's been doing, has he been doing that like since back in the day type of thing? Oh yeah, yeah. Since because he was 14, could 15. could you imagine seeing the culture change that much? And like, oh yeah, like yeah. obviously you're still going to get bands where you you know, I mean, when you think about a rehearsal studio or a, a recording space, it's almost like as soon as mm. you enter that building, all you can smell is skunk. <laughs> like you know what I mean and that's just like the baseline skunk and bio in the reception <laughs> right do you know what I mean and then it's like different different sort of grooves coming out of different rooms and you, I, I kind of love that where you're like in a corridor and there's like there's a there's like hardcore sort of dubs coming out of one yeah. you know two two closed thick thick doors and you can just hear that bass and then you can hear some like mad metal band (laughs) in another one and then sort of uh, a little three-piece kind of gently tinkering away in another room yeah yeah and long live the studio because they're all bloody going well yeah absolutely yeah you know but um um, but you know you know that uh and it's and even like from like because I only ever got to the level of like playing the pub circuit but we loved it, going rehearsing twice a week and then having a pub gig every few weeks. It was just like your mates were there. I never got like, you know, beyond that at the, at the, at the time. But but you're around the culture and, mm. and it's a beautiful thing. And I think, uh, but that side of it was, it felt like, uh, do you know what I used to think? I used to literally think, like, we're all right. We're an all right band, but. I don't think we're the real deal. And one of the reasons I didn't think we were the real deal is because we weren't off our heads. <laughs> and it's like my mate used to, I used to work with a lad who was, played bass in our band and we used to get in his mini metro <laughs> and drive across London <laughs> to uh, rehearsal places in like Bow or uh, mm. we'd get like crisps and like banana milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd be laughing about it going oh, just get off our heads on yazoo and, and but that was like we were joking but it was sort of like we're lame aren't we do you know what I mean yeah and that's yeah, really yeah. interesting yeah. and then yeah. I remember like the the crowning glory of that particular band which is sort of like you know very low on the rung 
is like we got asked to do a night in Brixton where a, a, a Manchester baggy band who were like well you know well out of date now called Northside mm. they were playing and Bez was DJing right and some promoter said yeah you know i've seen you and like we like you so like you you'll be good like before before Northside, and we we were excited because like our teenage selves had totally been into that stuff So that was cool, and you know we had we had a, and at that point it was probably the first time where I felt like we actually sounded good, mm-hmm. sounded like we knew what we were doing. But we arrived on the Saturday afternoon, and we are it's just like a load of blokes who are just like right on the cusp of becoming family men who, who you know it's not that easy to to make sure we can all be on a Saturday because they've all got stuff to do, and you know it should be in <laughs> IKEA and all the rest of it, and uh, and then then fucking Northside turned up, right. And there was like a cellar underneath this venue. It was called Jam in Brixton. Mm. And um, we were like, right, put your, you know, sound check and then go and put all your guitars and stuff downstairs out the way. And it's like, all right. So Northside just, they found like an old table down there, like in this cellar. And they just sat around it and all of them were just skinning up. And there was, mm. there was just like heavy. And this is like, they're not like fucking teenagers anymore either. They're like, we're all like early to mid 30s. And they just sat there in this mad fog of skunk. Mm. And we were like, right, let's uh, let's go and find uh, some falafels <laughs> and uh, <laughs> stretch the old legs. And then uh, we'll come back, have a, probably have a Diet Pepsi and then get ready for the gig. <laughs> you know, and then we'll have a beer after. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, uh, uh, just just gonna just gotta check outside to see if me, me, uh, like your mum knows where to park. It was all like that. Mums, mums, and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. everyone's mums and dads in like leather jackets coming to watch. <laughs> but but uh, the whole time, right until they were on stage, Northside did not move from that table, yeah, and yeah, yeah. we'd yeah. go down and we were going. They are fucked. I mean, God knows what else they would like. I'm not, you know, I can't say that legally. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just, it just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have phased them at all very clearly. And then, uh, so anyway, we, we sort of like, excuse us, just get a miss guitar, like stepping around them to go on before them. <laughs> and then they, bless them, they sort of came up, certainly for the last sort of half of the set and just stood there like looking like out of their boxes. And then just remember thinking, oh, this is fucking cool. Because now there's an audience there, like a lo- basically a load of old sort of New Order heads, which is a very mm. specific crowd. Like the, the dyed-in-the-wool raver New Order crowd is it's basically a hundred bald men that look quite hard. Kind of football hooligan, but into yeah. ease kind of crowd. <laughs> yeah. But like that's, a, that's, a quite a, that's quite a cool crowd to play to because they fucking just want to have a good time. Yeah. So we had a brilliant gig and we came off and I can't remember his name, the, the singer of, of Northside. He just mm. went, that was really cool, man. <laughs> I was like, how the fuck are you going to play? And they got up and they absolutely smashed it. Right. And it literally sounded like, wow, like we sounded all right, but you could, you would not have guessed that they would have any chance of like being tight or in time or 
yeah, to get a yeah, fucking yeah. groove going that people are going to dance to. And they were. Well, that just shows how used to it. You well, know, exactly I mean, it right. Just, it's just normal. So the point the point I make is that a little bit of me sort of thought that's the difference, and and it's it's silly because it's kind of of course it isn't that, but. What, but, that you you should be you should be smoking way more skunk yeah, and like drinking way less yassi. It's sort of like sailors, you know, like the more scars and tattoos you've got, then now yeah. you, you know, or like Punch and Judy people are supposed to swallow that thing that makes the noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like you've not you're not battle scarred enough to be like totally. You know, this kind of warrior of the scene. Totally. And when you think about it. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, obviously, there's been drug taking going back in in music scenes all over the world for years. But mm. in terms of, it's like the '60s onwards. It's like if you're a kid starting to do music late '80s, early '90s, you're mm. basically looking at rock history or music history as as from the '60s onwards, and almost almost exclusively, every band is a bunch of reprobates who are off their heads and. Uh, yeah, it's strange that there wasn't really a frame of reference outside that. You you know, if you go further back, it's like oh yeah, so like big jazz bands and Glenn Miller and stuff like that, and you <laughs> you didn't think of that as the same thing, but somehow it wasn't. It didn't have a a, a soul in the same way because it wasn't fueled by by go by by taking your brain to another place via substances. It's just like bananas, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and. and... I imagine, you know, like if, if you know, you're young and you you want to you want to be cool and you want to be famous, then you just think you're just going to have to get on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's just a given just to kind of be involved and be amongst it and mm. all the socializing that takes place when you meet the right people and networking. Everyone's always going on about networking and it is. It's all about relationships, music, you know, and getting getting anywhere with it. And that's the beauty of it and the magic of it. Like you were saying, you know, I've been lucky as you know to be in lots of studios and 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 around lots of amazing souls making music and a lot of it's to do with um being slightly inebriated together or very um and and that's why i think lots of artists think not d depending on the the genre and the background you come from that that's where you create your best as well you might mm -hmm. need a spliff or um some acid or something i mean and and i i really and, and everyone around sort of laughs even when somebody's out of it because you know, as an audience, we think it's cool. And, and, and I was wondering, you know, the responsibility of, um, you know, lovers of music, just like when Amy Winehouse was mm. sort of collapsing in front God, of us. God, Jesus know, Christ. Very, yeah. Um, I, I, and, you know, actually yesterday I was seeing Britney Spears with two knives. Okay. She's doing this crazy yeah, robot that. dance. Okay. Yeah. On Instagram. And, and I'm watching it. I, you know, I, 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 she's on the page. I, I follow her. I follow her. Yeah. And I just felt I keep feeling increasingly uncomfortable. When I watched Amy getting skinnier, we all did. Yeah. Skinnier and skinnier. Could, she could not sing anymore. She had emphysema, didn't she? Um, yeah. It was shocking. You know, you know what I'm saying. Mm. It's like whose responsibility? Responsibility is it? You know when. We're all laughing about it. Nobody backstage wants to go, you know, maybe maybe you don't need to do that bong, you know, or mm. drink a bottle of vodka because you're great without it. You know, this, you know, and, and, and everyone's sort of either trying to keep up or not saying anything. Yeah. And I, um, I, I think that, that's very much the culture. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, you're, I think how we talk about 
everything from addiction through mental health to self-care and all the rest of it it's like been a revolution mm. really in the last 10 years and Absolutely. even and even mm. even in the last say like i just feel like new stuff comes along every few years and like a whole bunch of new uh what's the right word a bunch of new uh, the language evolves every sort of few years mm. and so mental health itself doesn't feel like anyone said that word 10 years ago but in the last five years mental health yeah. is everywhere and then but now you've got stuff like self-care trauma trauma bonding trauma responses yes. yeah vague vagal tone vagus nerves you know nervous yeah. system stuff and it's like it keeps yeah. growing and i think it's own it, it is a good thing even though people get a bit like snow blind because you there's just so much stuff floating around and uh it's easy to be cynical about uh anything that's just you reading a meme and now you think you know what you're talking about do you know what i mean that, that's it the kind of pop shields yeah I, I, but I it's think, got to be better think, than what it was before i think so you know? Absolutely. And and I think that there's a revolution in, you know, in, in the music industry. Like you said, nobody was saying, I'm going to go and see my counsellor or, you know, I think I think you're, I, I think you've got PTSD, mate, you know, and, oh, and God, that's yeah. why you're doing this every day. What's going on? You know, you're absolutely um, right. No one ever asked. Right. Everyone. It was like, OK, so creative people, music people, art people have a relationship with taking the brain somewhere else. So therefore it's OK to experiment mm. with drugs and the only problem is if you are not tolerant and then once once you've sort of overdone it and now you're going whoa I'm burnt out and we had to like take him to hospital and he had his heart pumped and now he's clean mm. now mm. that's almost like that's like a sort of war medal in itself and now like people who yeah. were like in recovery yeah. that was also yeah. kind of a, a badge of honor like I got yeah. so fucked up that I now can't even touch the stuff but yeah. that yeah. I feel like it's a good thing, and maybe maybe Amy Winehouse and Pete Doherty, or Doherty, depending on how you say mm. it, uh, maybe those two figures in so so prevalent in the culture at the time, maybe maybe some young people started to look at that and go, uh, that doesn't look like that. That's much fun. No. You know what I mean? No, because it didn't no. look fucking fun, did it? No. Uh, but around that time, the sleazy indie years, and there was a, there was a lot of cool. It's a shame because it's like the music can actually, there is a different quality to music that's coming out of people who are being a bit debauched and loose because it's like that punk energy, if you like, yeah. Regardless of what the actual genre is, but that that energy of like fucking, let's just like bang this thing out, kind of like, it's like party mood, mm. but. Yeah, I wonder whether younger people now, I'd be interested to know whether you've talked to any younger musicians to, so you can answer this one for me. Mm. But um, do you find that that younger people who are getting into the music industry now uh, are like a little bit like, what were you fucking doing to us older types who thought that that's what you needed to do? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think um, it, yeah, that, that, it, it it strikes me right now that there's there's uh, there's quite you know you were saying it it definitely is a positive thing that that there's memes everywhere about mental health and you know people people think they've got an idea about what trauma is and you know mm. trauma bonding and it's kind of everywhere right yeah um, but but some of the young artists that I yeah that I've spoken with um, are quite. Uh, obsessed with their mental health or yeah. obsessed with analyzing mm. themselves in to 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 a degree that in itself can be quite um, problematic because 
Yeah, you know, I started off by saying I'm a humanistic therapist, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm going to explain this because I think it's relative to, in terms of answering um, this question. Mm -hmm. Because th this is really simplistic and I'm sure, you know, if there are, if there are other, if there are psychotherapists listening, you know, the, I'm not, I'm not uh, reducing the, the complexities of what a Freudian analyst does, okay, mm -hmm. to, 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 to a judgment of mine. But mm -hmm. I think it can be, it can be uh, a problem when a, a therapist is in the position of power to, to, to analyze from their frame of reference or they, 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 they you know, a person is vulnerable and they're going to see a therapist and they, they, they insist that the, the individual focuses on the past, for example, or, right. you know, I, I always had a problem with that because I had my own experience of therapy and I, I, it wasn't useful in my experience. This is my experience when I was very young. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I trained um, humanistically. I'm very much a counsel. I'm very much person-centered and my work is clinical. It's a little bit complicated because I, I wanted to very much sit in a position where I am not the specialist. Now, 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 now you'd be thinking, yeah. why am I going to pay, pay you to come see then? Mm -hmm. Because the way in which I've trained and my philosophy and what I hold at the core in, in working with humans is that the individual obviously knows more about themselves than me. However, I perhaps have the skills to listen um, and to create a space to reflect um, to offer, to, to be curious, so much so that the person can listen to themselves. The feedback is yeah, there yeah, in, yeah. in my, you know, in the grace, the space that I'm holding so that they can come to answer their own questions toward their own salvation, right? I, I, now, under, I understand, uh, you know, uh, having done a lot of therapy myself and occasionally okay, it's yeah. been different types of therapy and I know that my listeners love any chat around these subjects and it's, it's the main thing I get really lovely positive feedback about because people are intrigued and a lot of people don't know where to start especially men absolutely um, absolutely yeah we, we you know when cat when cat Katrina was on um we've done if, if anyone who's not heard any of those pods there's two podcasts I think with Katrina Georgiou in that you could go back and find just to hear more chat about this kind of universe yeah uh yeah, the fact is there are different philosophies uh, and different types of therapy and different applications of therapy, like the difference between CBT and psychodynamic yeah. and all of that stuff. But what what you seem to be describing is more of a sort of like your personal approach to what <clears throat> what you find is a, a how how you like to work with someone and and frame it. And there's sort of ultimately no one can really say there's a right and a wrong, but uh, but what's definitely true is that. If if anyone out there tries a type of therapy and think they don't get on with it, you need to at least make yourself aware that there's different yes. styles and different ways of framing these deep conversations. Absolutely, and, and you you don't have to get on with one or the other. No, no. And, and uh, can I yeah, say something please. on that? Because that's a really important part of my work is that you know somebody is struggling or somebody's you know. And, and you're right with men. It's it's you know statistically it's much it's much worse and harder for men to reach out. Um, there's a, there's yeah there's a great organisation called Calm, the Campaign Against Living Miserably, which is an organisation specifically for men uh, who who are suicidal, you know, um, very depressed, and they're, they're an amazing yeah. organisation. But um, I could I can leave some some um, 
information about organisations that exist for your listeners, maybe at the end for musicians, but also just around that that I endorse and think are great. Brilliant. But at the fo- at the at the front, you know, somebody's not feeling right. Okay, they're they're, they're not feeling themselves. They're withdrawing from you know, seeing mates in a way that they would do normally, they don't feel right and they're it, it just something isn't right, okay? They're not having they're having repeatedly bad thoughts, they're, yeah. they're feeling anxious, um, they're losing motivation, whatever. And okay, what do I do? Okay. I'm not sure about therapy. Lots of people are apprehensive about therapy and for good reasons, okay? Mm. Also the cultural cultural background history for why people wouldn't want to go and see therapists is very dark, okay? And yeah. I could go yeah. is, is it, there's a lot why people are apprehensive uh, it's a very white middle class working force, which is a huge yeah. problem in itself. But there are lots right. of organisations, again, BATAN, Black Asian Therapist Network, who work exclusively yeah. with therapists from these backgrounds. All these things, you can go into therapy, even though you're vulnerable, empowered, by by knowing that there are different philosophies, different approaches, different mm-hmm. modalities, meaning. And I'm going to say this really simply because of there are simple distinctions. Mm-hmm. You can go and work with a therapist that is solution focused, which you, you mentioned that that means they'll be using... CBT coaching is also in this realm. Mm. Uh, let's talk about it as realms. Um, you know, neurolinguistic program, and this is all to do with um, your thought patterns, mm-hmm. changing your thought patterns to change your life, and, and sort of getting getting tools short, that you sort of use practically. Tools. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely practical tools. Let's think about how you're thinking, mm-hmm. and let's let's look at ways in which you can think differently to, to get a better outcome. Yeah. Um, th- th- this is more short term. So the NHS. Yeah use cbt a lot because it's it's useful absolutely but it's also the easiest to measure um and and i think cbt is mm-hmm. fantastic mm-hmm. i think for more complex um psychological issues it's it's a bit too surface struggling right mm. and you go and you, you you've been on the nhs waiting list for a year yeah and you're living in hope that okay once i finally get yeah my therapist, my life's going to change. And, and you're presented with mind maps yeah. and homework to do. Yeah. Um, like columns and, and why are you thinking that? Col- and how, how many percent that. do you believe that? And uh, like, I totally have had times where that would have been, it's, it's almost like not the size of the problem, but the nature of the problem. And I don't want to, I yeah. don't, I'm not going to say, well, for example, if this happens, you want CBT, but if that happens, you want that. But, but it is, it, broadly speaking, like the nature of the problem will possibly benefit from different different types and depths if you like of, of therapy is that is that a good way of putting it yeah yeah and i and i think um knowing what you need at times is really hard because when you're in the depths of something you don't know how to get out let alone well yeah. let alone what yeah. might help you you know so you're just going online or you're on the NHS or whatever, and you're finding someone, you go for it. Now, what you said is really important. Let me just explain the two realms really quickly, so I feel yeah. like I've, I've, you know, I've honoured that because I never, I never knew where to start. I mean, I didn't really understand it in depth until I began my training. Yeah. And it's something that I, you know, I mentor and I do assessments for for people and you know, going into our service at uh, Music Minds Matter. But um, and I, this is what I say. So th- that solution focus the first realm mm-hmm. absolutely has its uses. And like you said, you kind of need someone to say, well, where you're at right now, I think this could really work. I always want to be person-centered and the person makes the decision. But within the assessment, you know, you're presented with what they're going through and you, and you kind of, you make a suggestion. So the, 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 the other realm is the psychodynamic. Yes. And the psychodynamic very much has its roots in Freud uh, and, 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 yeah. with, 
and, and began with Freud. And um, the psychodynamic at its core is, is very much about attachment theory. So very much about yeah. your childhood and your, mm -hmm. your early relationships and how you developed your relationships to your early yeah. caregivers and how that has shaped you. Um, and, and the idea is to, to the, 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 the psychodynamic therapist will have, mm. you know, studied extensively and in, in depth to, to being able to understand uh, how, how this, how an individual may have developed according to their attachment style, really. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm being simplistic. Yeah, because, absolutely. But it's like um, a voyage, isn't it? You're like, I did it for, I pr in yes. total, I've probably done four, five years worth of that over, spread out and different yes. Things it's long term, yeah. and it's a voyage, you know. Yeah. And and the voyage, in in my very simplistic terms, and please, you know, tell me if I'm being unhelpful. No, but we should be simplistic about this but, stuff. It, sh it needs to be accessible and understandable. And this is the bit that it totally is Freudian. It's like, like because most people I know who've got like deep stuff going on, and you're like, whoa, they're still in that pattern, or they're still feeling bad, or like the the self limiting stuff that they believe, and mm. and it always nearly always comes down to early caregiver relationships and all that so even though you might go into a therapy every week for years talking about all sorts of different things it will often be that the background of what's going on in you that that really needs challenging and slowly turning around I felt like I was guided on a long voyage that ultimately was about becoming autonomous and and not no longer being sort of tied almost like apron strings style Mm. to whatever were the beliefs and the things that you thought about yourself from when you were young and like by the end of it it's like what I had to do was understand all the stuff that wasn't great to look back on mm. sort of almost uh, understand it process it talk about it accept that it was crap grieve it be angry about it work mm. through it and then be like at peace with it and uh and so like you you doesn't mean that let's just let's just say like doesn't mean that a parental figure can't still tweak your wound mm. but what it does mean is that you understand you've done that you've almost got like your your degree in what that shit means and uh you're able to sort of make sense of it and then if you feel you for me if i feel myself i mean i was actually doing literally i'll be honest i was actually doing something last night before i fell asleep where i was going oh there's a a voice coming back. I was getting a bit frustrated. I've been a bit worried. I've been a bit skint the last couple of weeks. Mm. And I've been frustrated at myself. And there's like a... I, I worked very, very hard on reducing my neediness, for example, mm. over all these years. And not being a people pleaser and not being someone that just will have anyone, anyone. If anyone says that they like me or they love me, I'm in. Mm. You know? And yeah. I've had to fight that off like a dragon. Mm. and it took a long long time to really get my head around what my ninja moves are that keep me safe from that and mm. I have been very very uh I felt like I'm like at Jedi level like this year I've been very happy and I'm I'm in a really strong space and yet there we go funnily enough a couple of weeks of a bit of stress and just getting a bit insecure and nervous and suddenly a little critical voice is coming in and whatever and then I sort of just was Oh shit! I'm there's 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 the uh, you know that's the voice that maybe I would have been listening to f a lot over the years, you know. And it's kind of like just reminded myself, oh no, we don't talk to we don't listen to that voice anymore. Mm. I've just and it just was a little reminder that it's like think of all that work you've done to get to this other place.
and 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 in that moment last night literally it was like i just i sort of complimented myself a bit out loud said you're doing good like i'm proud of you da, 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 whatever and i did yeah. some like self-care reparenting type stuff patted yeah. myself on the bum if you must know yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but you know i'm not saying that that doesn't represent the whole journey of like psychodynamic yeah, yeah, yeah. but 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 the interesting thing is that all that stuff that for sort of owns you and slightly controls which paths you go down without you even knowing it. Once you've you've done this work, it's like you're at least aware that being on that path is something that you can correct or nudge yourself back to the healthier version where it's just you are in charge and it's like cool. You know, you've learned yeah. to know yourself. You're autonomous. It's it's you've got fine. responsibility because if 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 in a way those yes responsibility those... yes big big word. It, it, big word yeah and it's and, and and in a way if you're if you've been you know hijacked by experiences that have you know robbed something from you do you know what i mean as, yeah. as, as a kid and, and like i was saying your consciousness and you know the unconscious conscious it's it the, the little you if the if the adult you can soothe them and reassure them yes. and empower them and say, okay, this happened, but now I've got you, now I can protect you, and we yeah. understand what went on. It's self-talk. and really is. You're being, you know, you're, you're parenting yourself. And, yes. And forgiveness is, is, is you know, it's, it's a holy, you know, it's a religious term, but, but, yeah. but, but I think when we're resentful and we're angry and we're afraid, you know, that, like you said, your body from, from you know, when we're stressed, we are triggered. You know, thing, things get to us more. Old patterns can go, come back, and it can be very disheartening. And I think, also with therapy, it's not that you're supposed to go in and take charge and then be okay forever. Because I, I think it can be. Yes. It's, you don't want to feel like you failed at therapy, right? No, exactly. So, so the the um, the idea is is that you just you you have some more control and say and like you said autonomy and power um mm -hmm. and love for thyself you know yeah and absolutely so in the in the other realm is 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 with the same pursuit but just from a different approach mm. and which is where i sit at the core and and you know it doesn't mean i'm not going to go and do some cbt training i will do because i mm -hmm. i think tools are very useful and i and I and I, I I very much have done psychodynamic training as well, you know. But yeah. I sit, I sit uh, as a person-centered humanistic counselor. Which so this approach very much means that when I'm with an individual, rather than saying Let, let's talk about this event, I, I, I would never be directive or can you know even if they brought something last week and we've really got somewhere to do with mom or dad or. Mm -hmm an event that happened in the past mm -hmm. unless they bring it back or i feel that they or yeah or they've they brought it in in some way where i might gently say i'm hearing you're saying this and i'm i'm seeing a link from last week i'm wondering if it feels appropriate that i raise this now yeah you know the language is very different and, and i loved that i was like wow that i'm i'm basically sort of i'm just I, i'm i'm reflecting back what they're saying and i'm i'm it's it's such a an art and a skill and, and, you know, to listen with all my being to, to, to kind of create, it's very spiritual for me, but, but the boundaries are clinical and boundaries saved my freaking life, you right. know, in, in my training.
And so when I'm counselling, it's do you mean, such an Can I just ask there when you say... To create them. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to jump in, but like, because it's no, boundaries. Be, yeah. Boundaries, I feel like, is what saved me. <laughs> so do you mean yeah. like outside of work, like learning boundaries was like a huge thing and then now then you take that into work to teach them? Or do you, did no, you mean I, that I as really, a counsellor? I learned it as a counsellor and I applied it to my... So to your my boundaries as in real... how carefully to tread? Mm. I mean, I was always working, you know, you, you, you're, you're aware of stuff, aren't you? While you're, you know, you're going through life and you're thinking, mm. uh, okay, I don't want to take that on again. Or, you know what, I think I deserve better. Mm -hmm. Or uh, the people pleasing thing. You know, I want oh, to yeah. be there for people. I love who I love. Mm -hmm. But wait a minute, I'm, I'm not sure how much I'm getting back on return. <laughs> or yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm feeling like I resent this person whilst loving them. This is, this is really, mm. this is really confusing me. So boundaries is, is is we talk about it a lot again like you said it's everywhere boundaries boundaries and actually for me it's really important to say that, that boundaries are, are they're they're obvious in in terms of the power of no but 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 they're 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 very unique to the individual um and 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 working with somebody to put boundaries in place you have to be very sensitive you have to go very carefully yeah you can't um, you can't force on someone what they should be no deciding no. is okay and not okay for them because it because no, you're right I, I mean that's personal anyway isn't it it's like uh, incredibly um, personal and and people might have um shied away from putting boundaries in place because they're afraid that they will be destroyed if they do okay mm. so so for me what i meant was i was learning about boundaries but when i learned about the clinical containment or in 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 counseling and mm -hmm. and the kind of the ethical framework you know at which i um i you know i honor and i abide by because because and i took it really seriously i take it very seriously mm. be, 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 it, it saved my life mm. because it changed when i say saved me i thought i was dying before but i kept losing the battle in different ways i was like i don't know how to to manage all these feelings i don't know how mm. to love somebody perhaps and mm -hmm. and um state my 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 self care compulsory within that dance mm -hmm. it was it was a, it, you know and i'm okay to be open about that and i think that in becoming a therapist and learning how to take care of people because when i'm when you're when you're in that space you 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 have to be uh you know it's just you and the client right mm. this is why it's quite a weird field um because the, the, legally <laughs> You know, it, you, you've got to have your ethics, mm. and 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 you've got to you've got to whilst you're in the space with that person, be really clear about how you're taking care of that person, and be very clear about mm. what's going on in the space. You know, in terms of transference and what the person might be putting on you, and you know how to take care of yourself as a therapist. Transference um, is extremely interesting. Could you could you just tell people it, what that it is? is? Yeah. Well, well, so. What what starts to happen in the in the in the in the alliance and in, in the in the work, um, quite often is that the, the the client that the, the the person in therapy might start to trust you, might start you know they're confiding in you, right? Yeah. And you as a therapist might start to become to them like a parent figure, mm -hmm. or you they they might start projecting onto you, um, as if you are. Um, the person that has brought them trouble, so they might, they might, they 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 might start to get cross with you or withdraw from you, 
um, mm. when they've been present before. They and then what can sometimes happen is the counter that the, the therapist can get lost in that and start responding, not not as the therapist holding boundaries, but they might get lost in the transference yeah. and start trying to rescue the client, for example, because they feel like it's their duty as the parent, the client is putting them in the position yeah. Um, yeah, as mad, being. And that's so like a it's stage. It's almost like a stage, right? That that can is it sort of always happen in a long in a long therapeutic? Is it like almost a given that they'll you know here we go three months in transference is happening five months in we've gone through it and I don't mean literally those numbers but or mm. is it kind of just depends on the on the dynamic I I think it depends on the depth and the longevity of therapy and I think the more psychodynamic you're going the more likely it will be yeah that would make sense because I think when the therapist is being more directive they're asking more questions they're I, I do experience transference. I recognise when it's happening, mm. mostly, <laughs> you know, because I have to be in supervision. I have to be in therapy to do what I do. Um, so I reckon I get there. Me. I reckon I get to the transference stage like within an hour on a first date. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm single. <laughs> well, is it, you have to think about the boundaries, you know. Well, yeah, exactly. That's why I've been learning it. Like big yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That I mean, is huge. It's huge. And you use you use your humour obviously very very well to to, to 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 deal with the stuff that's murky and that's hard and that's uncomfortable, right? Because but it's nice to be able it, to be honest. It's not what you want to be doing on a date. Well, no, right? exactly. Yeah, it's uh, that that um, has been another lesson. Uh, I I'm very open and I love a talk. I like going deep. I had to learn that yeah. as a people pleaser and a rescuer, which mm. is is the it's the act the the specific pattern that i've had to like almost like try and pull out of me like a sort of magic spell pull it out you know do it do a little ritual bury it in the yeah. garden don't do that anymore you know next time you go out and you meet <laughs> yeah. someone you like yeah. them make sure that they've just not heard two hours of all the trauma of the last few years you know yeah, save yeah, yeah. it yeah. <laughs> save it for save, it, save for... it for your like second weekend away where it's like yeah I never really told you <laughs> you know but because I love talking and someone gives me a, a hint that there's like that conversations in them I'm just like a bloody dog after a rabbit and uh, yeah. I yeah. now have to be like you know there's like an, an another me screaming stop bring it back don't go there yet yeah and, absolutely. and, and, and that will and save me from yeah and, and this is the thing my pattern has always been what happens is I like someone or I'm attracted to them and then um as soon as I know what isn't working out for them or what they're not feeling good about I feel like I can solve it with my wisdom you can save them yeah and, I, and it took me a lot of work to realize that even though that's really nice and it means you're compassionate and you care and it makes me someone that a friend can ring up and actually you can have quite a useful conversation about issues and mental health. And, and part of that comes across in this podcast overall is that I like I'm quite mm. a compassionate talker and people are responding to it, but the sort of yeah. potentially negative, uh, almost, I, I really, I had, it took a long time for me to get my head around that that in itself could be almost like a bit of an ego problem. Mm. Like, even though it's like, you think you're well, trying to help someone, it's like, why are we here even doing this you know like why have you decided that you get to 
tell this person what shape their life could be and that if they just only listened to me then you'd be the the shape that where you'll be happiest and then but really that's about me wanting to be happy because if they're happy then I'm safe again yeah so really it was like me wanting to control and I don't mean this in a horrible control freak bully kind of way but I, I, I couldn't get my head around for a long time that I've been with people who've been controlling to me like I've been roughed up a bit you know by people being unfair but then mm. so my understanding of that had some anger in it because it's like why do I always get the unfair ones and then once I realized what role I played in that which is the rescuing thing I realized that me trying to change them was me controlling in maybe in a, in a generously spirited way but still was trying to control another human being in some way to make yourself feel better so once you realize that it's like a 360 degree responsibility to no one else being your responsibility you don't have to rescue you can't rescue anyone you can only yeah. be there for people and and number one you have to look after yourself first anyway it's like that was that was the when i talk about boundaries saving my life that was the the penny finally dropping on that one was yeah. has been monumental yeah oh ab- ab- absolutely and you know it's the um it's the thing i it's why i love my job because when i'm sitting there and i'm i'm listening to people it's much it's much easier for me in the counseling alliance to not try and rescue anybody because it's not, it's the opposite of what i'm supposed to do as soon as that's how I was trained. It's like when you're going to rescue, you're making it about you. When you're going to rescue them, you're stopping them from finding their way through. Yes. You're interfering. You're blocking the process. I was like, wow, wow. And, it, and there were so many days where you're doing it again. You're doing it again. You're doing it again. And I was like, I've got to get myself out of the way here because I'm so used to in my life thinking through compassion, like you're saying, or you know, be, being, the people, being the person that people come to to find solutions or just extending empathy I'll sit in the fire with you because I wanted someone to sit in the fire with me Mm -hmm. I'm a wounded healer I'm a therapist we all are Mm -hmm. okay and and you know just like you that's what I I agree with the boundaries it's saving let me say changing my life because yeah it's it also the codependency thing there and and which is very much linked with substance substance misuse you know it it's it's and the resent I mentioned before yes okay you're doing everything you can to kind of figure out this person's life and you're inspiring them and they're like, wow, you're so insightful and I love you and you can help me. And then they keep leaning on you and then you become resentful because you, you, you offered yourself as being this, this helper and this person with all these uh, answers and this incredible, you know, lifelong empathy. Mm. And then you don't want to do it all the time because you can't do it all the time. So you resent them for coming back for more. Yeah. And, and 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 yeah, and you um, there's a, it starts to, if you're not careful, it starts to be a bit like, uh, well, you've already yeah, you've already asked me this, and I told you what to do, and if you haven't done it, yeah. then now I'm almost like you go down. into almost like a angry parent mode. It's like yes. well, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna you know eat your vitamins, eat your vitamins, you know, if you're not gonna eat your yeah. vegetables, then you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna you know, and and, and so that's interesting as well. Like, don't start thinking you're in an authority. No. You know, if you're open and you're compassionate and you learn that you can help people by asking if they want help and being very careful about um, what's what's the way of putting it? Um, 
empowering sounds a bit grand, but mm. but you're better off you're better off leading someone to to get them to think what do you think they might be able to do? Would it be this or would it be that? Or rather than say, you know what you need to do. Because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the best will in the world, and I've got friends that do that to me, and I've got people that I've done that to. Mm. Uh, no one wants someone telling them. One, I'll tell you what, one of the really good things to remember if you're saying, to, if you're frustratedly, frustratingly saying to your mate or your partner or parent or whoever, look, God's sake, you know, you always do that and da da da, and it leads you to this place. And what you need to do is. One mm. of the reasons why, even if you're right, that might not be useful, in my opinion, mm. is that they may have had the same conversation with three or four other people who have, for God's sake, told them to do something else. Mm. So if everyone's just telling people, for God's sake, what they should be doing, and there's no way everyone's going to have the same opinion. So yeah. it's sort of pointless, even if you're right, telling someone that you're right. It's like, what do you think you could do to nudge them towards you know look into taking responsibility for it and finding out what works for you and you can't control whether they do that or not anyway so no and, yeah. and how and when you sit when you really sit and you don't offer advice mm -hmm. but it, when you get when the when the penny drops that you can be there for somebody yeah without trying to resolve um, their situation. You can sit there. You can be loving with them. You can offer them a tea. You can you can hear them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, listening. And you can just I mean, the, the counselling skills are so powerful. Reflecting back what they're saying, it's not manipulative. You go, I hear this is going on, mm -hmm. and you know I love you, mm. and you know that I don't want to see you suffer, mm -hmm. and I hear that you're really struggling. Rather than look, what you've got to do is this, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, you know, because that's about you controlling the situation, isn't it? And it's very much about you feeling better when you leave that person, because it's 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 hard, you know. As a therapist, some weeks I'll end sessions, and I I really feel for my clients, but I really mean this. When I end the session, mm -hmm. I go to I've got to go and get my kids, mm -hmm. and you know, be mum and be be who I am in my private life, right? Yeah. I, I I don't, when I was training, I'd think about my clients and I'd yes, panic. take it with and you. And I'd worry and I'd think, God, I hope they're going to come next week. But, you know, if they'd been, if they'd let me know they were suicidal. That was where I was like, oh, my God, oh yeah. my, God my biggest fear would be if one of my clients, yeah. you know, I, I used to think, how would I cope with that if they committed suicide? But also if you, if, if you have tied your, a bit of your ego to an outcome, you're hoping they will have listened to you and go off and do exactly. the thing. And now you're right. picking your and, kids and that, up and you're thinking, not... I hope that they've, they're doing their yoga and, uh, and have uh, been doing their self-care. Yeah. Otherwise, but no. they'll be in that state. And then so you're like, you're literally walking around with someone else's problems in your body. No, and that, that's why it changed my life. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not responsible for them. I care about my clients. When I'm in that space, I'm genuine. I'm listening. And, and my care continues. But my duty, it ends. Ultimately, I'm not responsible. No, this I'm is gonna put, so I'm big. All my, all my training is in place. I make sure I follow protocol. I, I've got my supervisor. My work is clinical. You know, I, yeah. if somebody presents with an issue, I make sure I've covered my back. I've done what I can for them. That session ends. Yeah. I take a break. I go into my next session. My sessions end for the day. I, I breathe. I look yeah. after myself. I write my notes. Yeah. And then I go into the next part of my life. Now, you know, that, that it, it, I have managed to extend. You know, I, I still 
like any human being, stuff comes up and I feel yeah. like I need to do more than I can. Yeah. But my life is boundary that I, I got, I cannot rescue everybody, no. but I can love them. Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. And and be compassion is such a big word. It's like there's all sorts of uh, things you could uh, read about or go off and watch videos about uh, radical compassion as yes. a subject is like pretty incredible. Yeah. And that, that actually... Uh, the specific bit of work I did that wasn't psychodynamic, it was more like a family therapist who was helping me deal with a tricky sort of co-parenting situation and mm. uh, dealing with my son who, who is now fifth, nearly 15 oh, and wow. uh, has had like a very bumpy few years for various reasons mm. and uh, we, we've got a brilliant relationship but I've, my God, have I had to do some work on understanding why my expectations of, of uh, my time with him and stuff have are pretty limited and it's been mm. it's been really tricky but uh, what I became aware of is that um, his time with me because it's compressed it's like my need to be like the good guy and the one that knows the useful stuff to say and and whatever could mean that his experience of being with me is like fuck we're going straight to the how the fuck is everything? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Instead yeah, yeah, of just yeah. like him knowing that he can just be with me. Yeah, because and, and this, that this guy more... taught me. Yeah, sorry, go on. So no, I didn't. I, I was just thinking with the you know the parent the, the, that that and I and I want to know what you, you were going to say. What he taught yeah, you yeah. that, that your need to be a good parent and your need to be um, giving him solutions. Yeah. He he wants to just be with you and. And that, that, that allowing him to bring stuff when he does and then you listen. Yeah, it's like I have I sort of was stuck in a mindset that when this kid's in my car for an hour, he needs to have basically been told like, it's like a fucking YouTube video of legendary quotes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I'm Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi, yeah. you know? And it's like, he made me realize that all that he needs is to not feel like he needs to be anything else for me. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that when he says something and I think, oh dear, what's that? And instead of just going, well, you could look at it like this. Again, it's mm. like, I think it's quite a male thing, throwing in a solution rather than leaving space for the thing and then just to be with it and let them be I think I think it is, but, but I struggle with that too. Yeah. Like, you know, I think women... Yeah. I think, you know, it, uh, I read this book by um, Grace and Perry's wife, Philippa Perry. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's called no. The Book You Wish Your Parents Had Read. Oh, I've, I have heard of that. You'll be glad that you took quite a long time. To, the Book You Wish your, <laughs> your Parents Had Read, basically. Yes, yes. And it's great because it's it's really small. I'm not great at reading big books, you know. Mm. It's really it's really easy to read. And it goes into this stuff, you know, and... Um, j just the kind of unconscious stuff that we take on and when we become a parent, how we then, you know, immediately go into trying to heal our stuff more than, you know, ever potentially, because you've got this, you've got your baby that you want to protect yeah, and, and that you want to have the best life possible. Mm. So it's quite easy to go into preacher mode and trying to, you know, mm. do the things that you didn't have, but also unconsciously repeating maybe stuff that you went through, which is also quite a, quite a trip. And, you know, yeah. the past five years, I've definitely begun through that. And I think it's um, the person-centered approach with kids is really important. You know, my kids are young, they're five and two. Mm -hmm. But still, when I go into trying to 
I don't know, everything being a lesson and be, be, everything being a mo an well, opportunity exactly, for right. me to inspire him. And, yeah, uh, um, yeah, all that. It's like, give it a rest. He gets really irritated. <laughs> give it a rest, love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he starts, and because he's young, he'll just shout at me. He'll, he'll start acting up more. And I realise just from, you know, holding back a bit and listening, um, he, he just tells me so much more. And then there are so many more opportunities for me and him to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, but it's not easy because my instinct goes, oh, I've got to, you know, I need, I, I, I don't want you to be in danger. I need you to learn this quickly and now. Um, so you're, you're, yeah. you're kind of, it's a dance with um, our instincts and, and somatic, you know, the kind of body, the responses that we have in our body. I'm, I'm really into yeah. that right now. I really yeah, want to yeah. explore this more, the mind mm. and body connection, oh, because absolutely. you know, the kind of, when stress floods the body, Sometimes it happens to me before it's even 7 a.m. So shouting at me, get up in mm. breakfast. Oh, God. You know, so all these rituals that I had before I had kids, they've gone out the window. You know, sleep control's gone. Oh, Jesus. Um, so Being odd. able to meditate when I wake up. I mean, good, you know, good luck with that. Uh, you know, now yeah. and then I might get it in. <laughs> yeah. um, and eating at regular times. Yeah, but, you know, if, with, with babies, I was shoveling yeah. cake. You know, I was yeah, yeah, could just to keep going. So it really made me think about that with, you know, people with their mental health. They really are the building blocks, you know, getting good sleep, eating and, mm. and moving your body. Mm. But also with the body, having um, a, an awareness of, of, of where the thoughts are presenting and how they're feeling, right? So mm. I, I, worked at, uh, I worked with young men in a, in a unit for a while. And we did, we did this the mindfulness stuff. This before I was a therapist many years ago. And we did this really, really powerful exercise. And I still, I think about it for myself and with, with my, my kids. And, and I worked with young people for a long time. And, and I sometimes do it with, with the adults that I work with. You know, they'll be talking about something. And I'll say, can we take a moment? Does it feel appropriate? Is that okay to ask you where you're feeling this in your body? Mm. Now, you know, some of the responses I got from the young, all right, miss, you know, because years ago, <laughs> yeah. it's like, where am I feeling that in my body? I was like, Okay, yeah, I get it's funny, that's fine, it's funny. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I said, give me a thought, any thought, you know, with them, and, and to, to, so we could find a way into it. And if something's presenting in the moment with my clients now, it, it's fine and it feels safe. I'll say, where do you feel it? Mm -hmm. So first we have to stop and go, well, where am I? Okay, I'm angry, yeah. I'm angry. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I remember with this young man, it's like 10 years ago, he's like, you know, he's swearing, I'm, I'm, all right, I'm, you know, I'm angry. I won't say what he says. Okay, mm -hmm. you're really angry. I do feel it. It's like, I don't know, everywhere. I said, okay, so I had this like chart, this mindfulness <laughs> chart. So I said, I am angry. You know, where do you feel Everywhere. And then the third column, uh, 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 give me a thought so that you could oppose the first thought, something that's different to the first thought. Yeah. And so, well, I'm, I'm happy. Okay, great. Where do you feel it? kind of same everywhere. So he was a little bit irritated with me mm. asking the questions mm. and it's fine. I said, do you, can, you, can you observe anything different? He's like, okay, well, one's lighter. Like I feel like less like I want to smack you, he said. And oh at the time God. it was quite intense. And I said, okay, no, but I was fine with that. You know, we'll work, you know, yeah, like yeah, you said, yeah, going yeah. into the deep stuff, you want to go there and then you freaked mm. out. But I was containing it with this exercise. Mm -hmm. And we opened up this amazing conversation where we started to, to, to get into it quite quickly where, where we were feeling what we were thinking, you know, the heart. Yeah. The stomach came up a lot, the yeah, belly. Yeah, the gut, um, right, yeah. My, um, 
back, the neck, tension. Yeah. So then we started to, to, to move our body. You think about breathing, you know, okay, mm. where are you feeling that? And, 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 and how does it feel? And mm. can you allow that in? Can you allow the happiness in? Mm. And then you, we got into, but there's no hope. Where do you feel that? It's not realisticness. Where do you feel that? Yeah. And so we really, we were really, it was an amazing day. It was such, again, like a little bit of a film moment. I felt like I was in sort of Dangerous Minds or something for <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. But, you know, um, yeah. but to be honest, taking away from all that, uh, you know, which is always a part when you, you pulled something off and, and it was a great moment with these, these young men, that, that what I'm getting into and what I've stuck with them when I'm, you know, I'm on it is realising that I'm having a physical response yeah. to, 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 my son losing it because I poured the orange juice in the wrong cup or, yeah, yeah. you know, or um, work getting too much or I'm having to deal with something heavy or yeah. somebody I'm worrying about in my personal life. My body is responding yes. all the time. Yeah, your body and your mind is basically sort of done a printout of things and you, you basically yeah. read it and think like, like it's yes. the fact, but it isn't a fact, it's a response. And if you go, yes. oh, here we go. Like, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm like fucking quite uh, frazzled and quite reactive and you know and this is a completely different framework and i don't know where this fits in with your stuff but uh if if all the information that's out there about adhd is yeah, a thing yeah. that, that that someone's looking at i yeah. would be absolutely textbook right yeah and and also but also i would possibly be textbook complex ptsd yes because yeah. of just lots of stuff right well they get those two confused a lot yes, but yes apparently yeah. so and i would like to look into that actually because yeah. that would be good to understand but it, regardless either way because i know both of those things are things i know that when i'm getting in a tiz let's say mm. Mm. and then the it, straight away that comes with negative fucking post-it notes oh you fucking dick oh fuck's sake mm. here we go look what you've done it you've done it again blah blah, mm. blah and that, that little devil's on your shoulder Instead of thinking, oh, my God, I'm really shit, listen to all these things that I am, I'm like, oh, check this out. Reaction time's happening, mm, right? Mm. So I'm observing. Mm. I've, learned, I've learned to be able to, like you say, feel. Mm. Fuck, you know, like I feel like my, I could fucking burst or scream right now. Yeah. But, but almost like immediately be like, that's interesting. Why is that happening? Yeah. Instead of, instead of sort of like trying to like, shoot the overwhelm dead or, or or punch it to death because that's like ah, it's like going into a panic it's yeah. like oh you're here yes like yeah. I, i've been trained to deal with you like a fucking yeah. ambulance driver knows what to do with a with a a larry drunk person so yeah. i go I, I i genuinely this is the main thing that's changed this year and it all links back like saying boundaries self-knowledge being aware of the feelings and that uh, your body and your mind react. This isn't necessarily true information in your head right now, and all that. All these little bits of learning have come together, and the the, the practical sort of win that I've got is that the time in between tis tis fucking temperature goes up, you know, start turning into mini Hulk. Mm. The time between that ruining like that before that would have ruined. Easily a day, maybe two days. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, it's like, on a good day, I might get rid of that in an hour. Yes, yeah. And that's then I'm that's like, amazing. And, now I'm, and then I'm in a pragmatic, philosophical kind of, that's what that was. Even if it's still happening, I'm like, well, I'm going to not you worry about it. it. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Outs you're outside the thought observing it. And it's like, 
yes there's so I, many I different types of things i've seen about therapy that like you were saying about all the different styles but something that a lot of it has in common uh would 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 well not not maybe psychodynamic but but it's really good to get to get your version of what makes you be able to stop feel it see it yes realize that it it is not you yeah exactly I thought, yes and 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 somehow getting in intervening and rather than dissociating because it's too much where you leave entirely or getting caught in a storm of rage or just self-loathing it goes on you're just lost you're lost mm. having that that moment to intervene and observe step back acknowledge that it's there you know that, that rather than try and run from it or and, would, and wouldn't it, it be true know? that say someone has done like the deep work and you understand that it's like a part of a part of the sort of puzzle think of like I'm almost like a puzzle tree that you're 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 the more you learn them you get to stick an extra bit of fruit on a fruit like a bit of mm. wisdom that you've accrued and it's not like one thing you're trying to learn like one piece of fruit that gets fatter it's mm. it's a load of different little bits of wisdom that are kind of there when you need them so it's like that body thing will that will help me in and of itself now oh that's happening right so I get yeah. out of the thing quicker but yeah. it definitely helps that I also have have done you know on a separate branch there's a there's, there's a bit where yes. I've understood my history yes parent stuff absolutely childhood stuff yeah yeah it's kind of like I, ideally ideally you you do you do the work in you know the mind and the body yes they're they're intricately linked but if you've really studied yourself and understood your triggers and then done some kind of somatic stuff that 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 would be ideal, and um, I think with trauma, the somatic, the kind of body-based um, uh, approaches, the real trauma specialists, the trauma work is very specialist. Yes. Um, but but really, a, a lot is to do with the body, which I find very yeah. interesting. So kind of EMDR, the, the stuff that I'm looking at at the moment, I'd like to look at that a bit later when I yeah. um, have a bit more. But it's pretty new in um, the la- in, like we were saying about new. how the how yeah. the. The, there's, uh, you know, like every year, uh, they'll, the Oxford Dictionary will say, "This year there shall be five new words." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lol. Um, <laughs> you know, hashtag and blah blah blah. And and so it's like in the therapeutic universe, mm. as the well, it's just more work being done, people discovering stuff. Yeah. yeah. Papers being written. You know, uh, philosophies being uh, enriched with new information and studies and. So, yeah. so that's what I, in my opinion, it's good to maybe be open to not thinking you have to have one that is everything because. Yeah. And that's the thing with the DSM and di- diagnosis, you know, it, it, and ADHD is it's everywhere right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've got to go and I've just. Yeah. The, the, no problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. The shutters are, the shutters are here. <laughs> so they wanted to get, they want to get in my room and I've got to keep counselling in a bit, but I, okay. I'm, I'm enjoying the conversations. I haven't even mm. noticed the time, but um, yeah, I, I think. I think diagnosis is, is really important. It's also really important to say that there are psychologists and there are psychiatrists and psychiatrists are responsible for deciding, mm. you know, what medication the person takes. And, you know, psychologists w- w- will have studied all three approaches and just had far more clinical experience. So yeah. just to put, put that out there Definitely. And, and dealing with really complex um, mental health presentations, you know, schizophrenia, bipolar, um, yeah. you know, so, so, so that counsellors, psych- psychotherapists really shouldn't work with it. I think, you know, that you have to have your ethics to know when to signpost on to the right person. Yes. But um, 
you know, with trauma, you know, for, for a long time, PTSD, you know, is kind of just thought of as, as being something, you know, war veterans, yes. had, um, people that have been sexually abused. Um, so I think, I think what's changing is th th this idea that you can have PTSD um, and, you know, symptoms without having, you know, gone through sexual violence or, you know, mm -hmm. been, been in war. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a scale. Um, and 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 with, with with this kind of everybody being diagnosed with ADHD, I'm I'm a bit. I, I, again, we we we're in this dangerous territory where this stuff can seep into mm. uh, social media, and, and and then people kind of diagnose. And and the the di the, the process of being diagnosed for ADHD is, is a little bit vague, I think. Um, yeah. And and there's more and more people saying you have to be careful to not misdiagnose. Yeah. Um, it definitely would be scary right now as a person that feels that I I'm probably classic adhd or am i have i got have cptsd got right so yes, i yeah. i have no idea where to where to go to make sure that i don't get so, the wrong sticker and then it's like what well, do you need one anyway like i don't know yeah i mean i mean if you yeah some people some people i think you'd know if you were willing to try medication i think you know getting an, an if you wanted to yeah, yeah, yeah getting an adhd um diagnosis can be life-changing yeah i've seen it happen i have seen it happen yeah but, and, and, uh, and if you're being treated for depression but you've got adhd you know that they've realized now that that medication really can be quite detrimental so these, these mm. like you said the world like i was saying earlier too the world of psychology is is really everything's new really they're trialing stuff all the time they're realizing oh actually maybe this medication is yeah you and know, it will keep called, changing and it's yes, and it's sort of yes. and as, as it's not ideal but it's sort of okay that it keeps changing we shouldn't be angry that uh, there is a, a system no, yeah. to to try and help people with ADHD but we you've got to be open minded that it all none of these systems are, are, are there yet we're all we're all muddling through and yeah. you've got to figure out like like you said at the beginning like you are sort of the expert in you so you'll kind of know when you feel like you're onto something that's helping lift a cloud like you are the expert on you, but sometimes you can become lost to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's really key to enroll the right people or you can have a sense enough of where you're safe, at least. Yeah, then go but you'll there. know when it feels like it's helping is my point. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and trust that and our, our own autonomy and, you know, wherever we are with our, our mental health is so important to hold on to um, if we can and, and to make decisions around medication and uh, you know the kind of support that you're going to engage with. It's it's crucial that you you stay close to that voice. Definitely, um, I, I, know, so, I know I know that you you um yes that you have to get out of here. So I've I just want go. I just want to finally say that I promised you when we started that we wouldn't go go hard. I would like get into some coffee chat first. Yeah, we never did, <laughs> and, and I just completely ignored it. <laughs> and I've been waiting ever since to go. Oh, I only have one coffee. I mean, what am I like? What about you? <laughs> I just didn't ever get there because at the beginning of the conversation I was gulping coffee and then we had a little bit of banter about how you know we've all got our little coping mechanisms that get us yeah. through that are outside of therapy but I blew it so I apologize for that no, but no. Um, I, I loved it it's great we went straight straight into a yeah. bigger conversation and um <laughs> no it's been great and um yeah I just I I, I appreciate um you you having me and um to talk about this stuff and well it was great and i know we you know it feel, it sounds like we could probably chat for hours so yes if, if you would be i'm sure people are going to react really well to this episode i know okay. that the listeners of stupid hearts club love nothing more than hearing me and someone who actually does know what they're on about talking 
in this universe because it's so important to people. So thank you very much, Denise, uh, for joining me. And I can't not tell you this on air. One thing that really made me laugh when we we first uh, talked was... I mean, I don't need this therapy anymore, so it's it's fine. But the thing is, like, your name is made out of the last two failed relationships I had. Really? <laughs> I've had a Denise and a Devon. So it's oh, not quite wow. it's not it's not quite a Denise Devonish. <laughs> the but it, but it, it sort of made, it really made me laugh. And it's like you might you might as, your name might as well be called Childhood Ex Wife. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And it was so funny because there was a few moments where we were contacting. And then what I find interesting in that is that I, I had to question my boundaries. Yes. Right. Yeah, of course. On because, and there was one point you were like, oh, I'm in the bath. No, it's fine. No, no, no. But I'm you, getting it's in fine, the bath it, in but, a minute. I was, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But it's, <laughs> I did, but it, but, but what's in, yeah. what, if, if you could unpack. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That there was probably some chance because because and then and then I because I'd seen you you um in your in the um the video you shared but I'd seen something else and I can't remember where I think oh, I right. that there's just and that really made me laugh oh god and you reminded me of somebody in my past oh right oh, so dear. there might Here we go. Been, We're I thought am I am I yes yeah, the boundaries thing because I I'm, yeah. I want to tunneled straight under the fence <laughs> speak to it yeah but it's fine and it's good to be open about yeah. it because it's happening all the time well, I'm, not, I'm not paying you so it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah you know and i'm exactly i'm a human being yeah, you know yeah. and i'm 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 counseling but i'm I, I sometimes on the podcast as well i've spoken about you know i've ended up oh, someone's known who my dad isn't you know it, it that there's been blurry and sometimes yeah. my clients have you know made an album and it's been found and i just have mm. to accept yeah. As well, that the way in which I'm working and and in the music industry, um, sometimes there's been some crossover. But I acknowledge that the boundaries that I did, you know, I was like, oh, we can just chat without talking. And I felt like oh, maybe I should have, you know, had the conversation with you before. But no, I've been it's so good. hectic. I was like, let's just go for it because I felt having seen a video of you, I was like, this guy's cool. He's funny. We'll have a great chat. And and we have done. So we I'm we really... certainly have. I've really enjoyed it. So uh, all that bit's going to be deleted. It may be. Yeah. It's funny though. Just to be clear, I was like, I can't speak right now. I'm just going to have a bath. Yes. I didn't. Yes. I didn't go. <laughs> Hi, funny, Denise. Just so you know, I'm no, in no, the no. bath. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Remember, if you love the show in a deep and probably unhealthy way, you can help support it on an ongoing and stalky basis on patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. Uh, your choice. See you soon, you internet weirdos. I- I'm, I'm one.